Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Travel Is Your Business. Uh, this episode, a little bit of a special edition because it's on location at the Millennial 2020 Summit. I hope you're getting ready to take a trip because we're going to do it right now because our guest is Bess Chapman. She is the manager of in-flight entertainment and connectivity for a company I know you've heard of. It's called JetBlue Airways. And uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a very insightful conversation. I hope that you've got your uh, tray tables up and your seat back in the upright position because we're ready for takeoff because this show starts right now. Hi, I'm Bess Chapman. I'm the manager of in-flight entertainment and connectivity at JetBlue Airways. And what I love about travel is running. And I know that you can run anywhere you are, but for me, the best way to explore a city is going on a run and getting completely lost. I make a point of not bringing my phone, no Google Maps, and just going as far as I can go um, and kind of winding through a different city or countryside and really covering a, a lot of territory. From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry with technology thought leader and community builder, Pavan Ball, business strategist, Rob Sanchez, growth strategist, Peter Crisdale, and creative entrepreneur, Mark Rako. And now... Here are your hosts. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Travel Is Your Business on location at Millennial 2020. Uh, For this episode, I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, and here with my co-host, Mr. Rob Sanchez. Hey, y'all. Hey, Rob. And also joining us, a guest host on the mic, uh, but you may have heard her on one of our other podcasts, Fashion Is Your Business. It's Julia McAllister, who is now head of strategy for Deaf Method. Hi, Julia. Hi, guys. Good to have you on the mic again. Great to be here. All right. So uh, we're talking travel this time. And of course, and uh, we're here with Bess Chapman, who's the manager of in-flight entertainment and connectivity, something that we all hope to enjoy in every flight that we take. And uh, we're also going to enjoy having you on the show. Welcome, Bess. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you too. So uh, let's uh, start out like we like to do on this show, which is to ask you to give us a little bit of a Reader's Digest thumbnail sketch of who you are and what you do at JetBlue. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually have a media background. I've worked at a bunch of different media companies and actually worked as a consultant at a small kind of uh, boutique um, media consulting firm before I came to JetBlue. And never in a million years did I think I was going to work at an airline. I have always loved travel and and been passionate about it. Um, But the job at JetBlue kind of fell into my lap when I was interviewing at another um, media agency. And they said, actually, my friend at JetBlue is hiring on the in-flight entertainment team. Um, I know you're interested in media. This might be a good fit. So I I kind of landed there um, from a small town in Virginia. So I just moved up to New York and and took a risk to work at an airline. Um, And the funny story is like my first day there, um, you know, they bring you into HR and and you meet with them. And I knew I'd have some kind of discount on the flights of some sort, um, you know, because that is our product. 
but <laughs> we are going going through it. And not only do you fly for free on JetBlue, you can fly for free on a bunch of other airlines internationally. Yeah. And I'll never <laughs> forget that moment because I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> so that, that was pretty exciting. But yeah, um, my team, um, there's about six of us. We sit in the product development team um, and we handle kind of the technical side of the business. So actually the hardware of the system, what it means to get live TV on an airplane, what it means to get high-speed internet onto an airplane and kind of the care and feeding of the system. And then we also manage the content, the partnerships um, and monetization. So it's, it's a lot and, and definitely no two days are the same, but I've just absolutely fallen in love with the avi aviation industry. It's, it's really fun and um, exciting. All right, excellent. Thank you very much. Let's take a quick moment for some housekeeping. Uh, you can follow us, folks, on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. And you can check out all of our past episodes and our future ones, too, at our very own website, travelisyourbusiness.com, as well as on iTunes and Google Play. And uh, who knows, maybe someday on JetBlue. As well, you can check out all of our other podcasts offered by Mouth Media Network at mouthmedianetwork.com. And we hope you will. So uh, on with the interview. Bessa, I'd like, to, I'd like to take a crack at the first question here. Okay. And, and that is, um, when you are on a flight, what are you looking for yourself? I don't mean which program to watch, but when you're thinking about the in-flight entertainment and the connectivity, whether you're on JetBlue or whether for some reason you might be flying another airline, uh, what are you looking for as a flyer? And what are you looking for from your chair in your position? Hmm. So I'm going to start that off with a very embarrassing answer, which is the TV better have the e-network so that I can catch up with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think for me, the most important thing is having an on-demand capability because I think that's how people consume content today, right? And especially millennials, you want to be able to start, stop, pause, and really... Um, you know, have what you want. And if you, if you only want to watch half of the show or if you want to go up and go to the bathroom, being able to do that is really important. Um, I think kind of the old-fashioned way of, on an airline when they just stream the movies in a loop, it's just so foreign to people. Um, now I think the on-demand capability is really important. And then legroom is huge. Um, you know, especially if you're on a long haul flight, New York to LA or something, and you are a tall person, not having enough legroom is just a killer. Um, JetBlue actually has, not plugging it, but JetBlue does have the most legroom in coach. And that's something that we absolutely, you I know. I love that you said it the same way it's printed on every poster in the subway. Exactly. <laughs> we can't hammer that home enough because it's so important. You know, if you're like stuffed, like a sardine on that plane, it's like, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> on international flights, there's often game systems and other things than just video um, and Wi-Fi. Um, I'm wondering, is JetBlue looking at the entire realm of what's possible there? And, and if so, how are you tackling that? Yeah, absolutely. I think what our kind of outlook has always been 
is that we want to replicate the at-home experience in the sky. And with the at-home experience, at least for me, I don't know about you guys, is dual screening. So that's having the TV on and then also being on your phone texting and then also be on your, being on your computer sending emails. And that's critical to us. So we've, we've definitely enabled that because we have free live TV on all of our flights and on demand on most of them. And then we have free high-speed internet on every flight. So you can be connected while you're watching TV and have that experience. I think what we're looking for next is having even better than the at-home experience in the sky and making an aircraft really a place where you go to see the latest and greatest and where you can try things for the first time without having to invest yourself in the latest technology, but trying the new Nintendo game console or, you know, whatever is the latest and greatest or even whether it's a new app or a new TV show. For us, having JetBlue introducing you to your new favorite thing and having you bring that off the aircraft and then it becomes part of your daily routine, that's absolute gold for us. And, you know, we are always just trying, as I mentioned earlier, to bring humanity back to air travel. So if we are able to ease the customer experience a little bit and make the, the pain in the neck that is traveling a little better and a little lighter, then I think we've done our jobs. You were talking a little bit about the physical side. Um, what's it look like to bring something new into a plane? Um, how do you even approach bringing in a console game, for example? Uh, it is a pain in the neck. <laughs> Quick answer. Um, yeah. So, no, it's interesting. We're actually in the process now of defining what the interiors are for our new aircraft. Um, mm -hmm. And... As I mentioned, I don't come from an aviation background. I'm a media person. So as we're defining like what the new next-gen experience is going to be on these new planes, it's incredible to me what the lead times are because mm -hmm. everything has to be certified and go through testing because, yep. you know, our number one value is safety. And it has to be, right? You know, we're carrying people across the country. Yeah. We better be sure that it's There's incredibly safe. That, that's not theirs. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. you know, that's the first thing we look at and that we're always thinking about. Um, and then after that, you know, we try to be cutting edge and, and we're a family airline. So we have to be family friendly. Like I had the idea last week to maybe make the seats denim. <laughs> I'm not going to bring that one up again. Um, <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, that, uh, safety is the biggest piece. But then, you know, we really try and look at, you know, you're not at home. You're not at work when, you, when you're having this in an entertainment experience. So what can we do that's specific to in-flight? So things like maps are huge. I think people spend so much time looking at the map. So what can we do to have a next-gen, above-and-beyond incredible map experience? That's, that's really critical. And, and same goes with gaming. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned the international carriers. It's definitely something we think about. And, you know, we do competitive analysis on what they're doing. But we kind of try to think about in-flight entertainment as not as like the classic, you know, when you're on an airplane, what you expect, the overhead TV or, you know, the international experience that doesn't really, it can feel a bit dry. 
we try to really put a jet blue spin on everything we do and think about it, okay, what are the larger trends in tech, in media, and in different areas that we could then carry onto the plane rather than going through the same formula that's always been there. What are you doing in terms of, or where are there potential trends to understand who your passengers are individually uh, and then program the entertainment based on who you know is on board? Yeah, that's a great question. So personalization is kind of the larger bucket that we put that into. Um, and what's really exciting is on that new system that I was speaking about, we're going to have NFC capabilities, near field communication. So the customer can actually pair their device with the seatback screen which I think is going to be huge because then we can have information on what they've watched before on the flight. If they're a part of our loyalty program, if so, how loyal are they, what their age is, where they're going. And, and I think that's huge. We don't have that capability yet, but it's something that we're really thinking about moving forward. Well, you know, it seems to me like some, I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do, but a very natural thing is, is there's so much that you can do now with, um, putting in your profile on JetBlue of the kind of seat you like to sit in or yeah. those types of things. Um, being able to put the type of programming that you would like to watch from, a, let's say, a, a list you can select and either, you know, the, some, some uh, combination of the programming that the majority of passengers have chosen is what is fed through the in-flight programming, if there is that ability to adjust that, or even ultimately getting to a point where your assigned seat, the system knows you're in 5A, and 5A's programming is going to be set to your choices yeah. in some way. Is that some of where you're yeah, thinking? absolutely. That's definitely where we're headed with this new system and with pairing the device. Um, I will say it's tough the scenario that you just described of where you get on the aircraft and you sit on the seat and it knows who you are and all that information, the problem is that people switch seats a lot. So if you are, again, what I said before, we are a family airline. That is the vast majority of, of who our customers are. So if you are a 10-year-old and you switch seats with someone so you can sit next to your mom, but the person that you switched a seat with is, you know, a 45-year-old man, so his TV has, like, Game of Thrones and what have you, then that's not a great scenario, you know, for the, for the kid. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be back with Bess Chapman, the manager of in-flight entertainment and connectivity for JetBlue Airways, right here at Millennial 2020 and Travel is Your Business. We'll be right back. So lately, you've probably noticed that Mouth Media Network has been premiering a number of really cool new podcasts, but uh, we have a different kind of show, a really exciting new program that we're going to be premiering in the middle of April, April 15th, and it is called 16 Weeks, and we hope that you will listen to it and subscribe. You can sign up to be notified when the show launches at 16weekspodcast.com. Take the next minute to go on a journey with us because here's a sneak peek at 16 weeks. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. 
This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. And I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. And welcome back to Travel Is Your Business on location at Millennial 2020. Let's continue with Bess Chapman. So Bess, the JetBlue brand is really quite strong. Uh, and I was curious how that JetBlue brand relates to the in-flight technology. Yeah, um, it's something that we think about every single day. Um, it kind of harkens back to what I was talking about earlier in the podcast, um, where we have those goals of kind of easing the in-flight, the travel experience, which you guys, you know, you, you're on this podcast, so you know how difficult it can be to travel, especially with kids. Um, so we really, really think about that when we choose our content and when we curate who our providers are and what content we serve. Um, we absolutely want it to be fr- family friendly um, and, and be on brand for JetBlue. We actually have a, um, a JetBlue channel called JetBlue TV that's the default channel. And there we really think about content that's on brand as far as it will um, be applicable to a lot of different people. A lot of, because that's who our customer base is. You know, we have to have videos that appeal to everyone from the, 80-year-old grandma going from New York to Palm Beach to the 12-year-old, you know, who's flying home to see his parents in California. So so finding things that appeal to that mass audience and that are on brand for us are really important. Some examples are we have a partner called PureWow, and they have, like, great how-to videos, like, the quickest way to make your bed. You know, that is so universally applicable applicable. Or um, we have a great partnership with Vice um, and they have food content. Now, no matter who you are, you like food. For the, I know that's a blanket statement, but I would say, you know, that's absolutely um, something that, that's um, interesting to most people. Have you guys observed any interesting trends as it relates to the consumption of the content in terms of the length of the flight or the type of consumer? Yeah, it's funny. Um, People, when we look at the data, what people really love to watch on board is comedy, like by a mile. Now, as I mentioned, we like to have a content base that's really curated with hitting a bunch of different categories, you know, everything from real estate to learning um, to travel, etc. But what the data shows is that comedy just knocks it out of the park. When people are flying, they're, they're on vacation. Um, for, for a large part on JetBlue, just if you look at our network, we're big in the Caribbean, um, in Florida, etc. So they get on that plane, they just want to sit down, have some Terra Blue chips, and have a good laugh. 
Um, so, so that's really what we've seen is done well. Actually, the most popular shows are Dance Moms, <laughs> and the most popular clip is How to Eat Sushi, which is funny. Again, How applicable to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, by not putting as much soy sauce on it as I oh. usually use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sushi is supposed to be seasoned the way it's supposed to be. When you yeah. consume it, I think, is, a, is the message there, right? But it's much better when it's drowning in soy sauce. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> when you're thinking about the, the programming and, and you're putting it together, are you testing it on flight in, with certain people, or are you using consumer market research? How are you deciding what it is, or is it kind of gut feeling and then validation? Yeah, we do a lot of market research. We really think carefully about these partners, um, and it actually depends on the system. So I haven't talked about this yet, but our core partner is Amazon. We have a, a large overarching partnership with them that I'll, that I'll talk to you about in a bit. They actually sponsor our Wi-Fi product. Um, and so they are huge on the content side. I'm sure you guys are familiar with what they create. And they also have an incredible amount of data. So they really help us curate that content with what works well and what doesn't. Um, and on JetBlue, you can actually stream Amazon video on every single flight. So mm -hmm. that's kind of changed things. We actually just installed our last aircraft in January. Um, so now people can watch anything they want because the Amazon so they video, have prime, basically? If, if you're prime, yeah. Okay. Um, and you can get a prime free trial. Um, so you have this huge library of content that you can watch and stream on Amazon video. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so we use the seatback almost as a supplement to that, right? So you have all this on-demand content on your personal device. Then you have what's on the seat back, which is live. So we see news, sports, the kind of things that people love yeah. to watch live do really well. Then whereas things that you can probably stream on Amazon don't do as well. Um, How yeah. do you deal with live midair? So um, I was flying on a JetBlue flight oh. um, out of L.A. at the same time as a plane was crash landing. I don't think it was a JetBlue plane. But it was a crash landing into the airport I just flown out of. Oh my gosh! Um, wow. And they cut off the video feed like two minutes before the plane hit, um, and then it was fine. They ended up just like burning off the wheels and landing. Um, but they're, the flight attendants, I think, were the ones who had to make the call to shut off the in-flight entertainment system. And this was years ago. How do you deal with that now? Because we have so much going on in the world that yeah. may or may not be appropriate for yeah. in-flight. Um, or it, it might be scary if you're in a plane environment yeah. versus other environments. And then there have been so many incidents recently with um, hate rants and things like that on yeah. planes. How do you control that? Or do you? That's a good question. So with content that we license or put on board, we're very, very conscientious of, you know, nothing with plane crashing, nothing hateful, nothing inappropriate. No snakes Just, on a plane. <laughs> exactly. Just because, you know, uh, to your earlier question, it's that's our brand, you know, and, and we want to make the kind of ease um, and bring humanity back to air travel as much as we can. As far as what your, the live TV issue, it's a funny one because there was actually an SNL skit years ago of of people on a JetBlue aircraft watching the live TV and like, ah, what's happening? Um, as there was an issue, but we don't censor our content. You know, live TV is live TV. And 
people, you know, it, it can be tough at times, but that's a really rocky road to go down. You know, once you start, you, I mean, it's where, where does the line fall and what's the limit? Um, so it's, you know, it's something that it's definitely a downside, but bringing live TV to all of our customers is so important and it's a big part of who we are as a company. Um, but I, I just think us kind of censoring content under any circumstances is something we would never do. Mm -hmm. And then where are you going with content? So um, we've talked a bit about live streaming and, and Wi-Fi and um, it seems like these are starting, starting to become baseline expectations. So if an airplane doesn't have it, I'm going to be upset. Whereas before, if they do have it, yeah. I'm going to be happy. Right. Um, what, what's the next place where you see that change coming? Yeah, I think it's, that's a good question because you may have seen American Airlines recently announced that they're no longer having seatback TVs on their new aircraft and they're only having high-speed internet. Because, you know, if you look at trends in media, people just aren't watching live TV as much as they used to, even in their homes, especially millennials, everything's yeah. on demand. You know, part of it too, honestly, I don't mean to interrupt you, but part of it too, at least personally, isn't just that I have my own in-demand stuff. It's that, frankly, in some aircraft, it's so undependable that I just don't want to deal with it anymore. It's, it's not always true, but you never quite know when yeah. you're going to get the TV that doesn't work or, yeah. or, or the spotty reception or they have to restart it. And so for me, I'd rather go with what I have as dependable. Yeah, that's an interesting thought because I think for, for my team, our number one focus is reliability. We know, you know. I thought it was safety. Oh, I said for my team specifically. Of the aircraft. Specifically. <laughs> uh, no, but look, we totally understand if we're investing in these technologies and this content and we're doing all these exciting partnerships like our one with Amazon, if, if the TV doesn't turn on or the Wi-Fi doesn't work, it's all for naught. So reliability is huge because the kind of thought process that you just described is exactly what we don't want is you know i'm not calling out jet blue on this by the way i'm right, saying just I, in I, general yeah. right i get that but you know it's all well and good to have wi-fi but if it doesn't work or if it's un unreliable then you break that customer's trust one time and then they become like you of i'd rather just bring my own content on which is absolutely not the experience we want we hope people get on our aircraft and see it as a time to kind of tune out and relax a little bit and um, have a really fantastic entertainment experience. But um, back to what I was saying before, you know, you see this like tr trend towards on demand and I think that's well and good, but I think the live TV experience, A, it's part of who we are because we were the first airline in the world to have live TV on every single one of our seatbacks. Um, but also, just even with the election, people watching the debates on board were huge. And wow, people, people fly JetBlue so often because they know they can catch the sports game. Sports fans, like, love, love, love JetBlue because so often people book their flights. Oh, man, it's a Sunday night. I don't want to miss the baseball game. I'll yeah, fly JetBlue. I can't fly in March. Right. That's, you know, and that's... Unless. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So it's actually a product that is a, is a market shifter to JetBlue, the live television. 
When you look at some of the new technologies that you're looking at, what technology do you think will be a major player in the future? So we, we have internet on a lot of planes, we have the in-flight entertainment, but what technologies like VR or iPads on the plane or, or new technologies that we don't really expect today do you see um, becoming an expectation tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. I think VR is going to be huge. It fits well into the travel experience and kind of when you think about the travel ribbon and the time of where you're kind of dreaming about your next trip, you can imagine that through VR. Um, there's a lot of drawbacks. And frankly, I, I, I've seen other airlines have used VR um, specifically in their premium cabins. And I just don't think it's ready yet. Um, and when we when we commit to something like that, it better be, you know, the perfect fit for JetBlue and really have that customer benefit. Um, that said, we've actually, we just did an activation with Vox, who's one of our content partners for CES, where we had um, Google Cardboard that we gave out and, and we had a co-branded video. So all the customers on board had this Google Cardboard, which I think is really fantastic. Um, and Was it, it making I, people nauseous? <laughs> not really. I mean, I think it's just like... It's, it's definitely something you're going to see more, more from us moving forward. We're just kind of finding what is the right fit because there's so many considerations in flight, things like charging or people taking the form factor with them um, and things like that. You mentioned Nintendo earlier and, and people testing new games on board and things like that. How physically do you integrate that into the system? What's, the, what's that like? You talked about how difficult it was, but... Um, do you actually have to design the physical locations to do that, or are you pushing it over the in-flight system? Yeah. How do you actually do that implementation? So today we actually don't, don't have games on board, mm -hmm. um, just because we're the first and only airline in the world that has free high-speed internet on every aircraft. People can game on their personal devices which, with whichever games they want to use for free. Mm -hmm. But moving forward, it's absolutely a space that we want to get into. Specifically, esports is such a huge trend, mm -hmm. um, and it's something I think you're definitely going to see JetBlue capitalizing on and becoming involved in moving forward. Are you going to have rows compete against each other in onboard tournaments or something? <laughs> um, I will let you see what happens. I can't speak to that yet, but it's definitely something that we're thinking about. Um, but I think that kind of gaming is is definitely really inter interesting to us. Rather than you know what we were talking about before of like the traditional airline Tetris on the seat back with the you know yeah. that's just not the future. So we're always thinking about kind of different ways that we can look at things. Actually, do you have any data on whether or not people like interacting with other people on the plane? Because to Rob's point, like I actually wouldn't want to play video games with other people on the plane. Like I want yeah. to play them by myself, but. Um, I know some um, airlines, they offer like in-flight chat. So I'm curious if you have any right. data on like what the consumer mostly likes to do. Yeah, I mean, I think for in-flight chat, it's something we've talked about, but it might not necessarily be on brand for JetBlue just because, you know, that experience that I was talking about before of just being able to relax and and because we have high-speed internet, everyone's on their phones. So if you want to chat with one of your friends who's on the plane or with your family, you can just text them. Um, so it's kind of obsolete for us. Um, I think the concept of gaming between seats is interesting. Um, I think our approach on it would probably be a little different. It would be more of like gamification of the system. So, for example, uh, the ability to 
earn and accrue true blue points, which is our loyalty program by gaming. Um, that might be something that we could look that we would look into. But as far as seat to seat, we don't do it today. So, Bess, you had, you had referred earlier to the Amazon partnership. Can you uh, unpack that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. This is something that's really, really exciting for us. Um, it launched about a year and a half ago. Um, and as I mentioned, we have free high-speed internet on every single aircraft. Um, and and what's interesting is Amazon has basically come in and um, helped sponsor this internet. Um, so it's FlyFi brought to you by Amazon. So you can stream Amazon video on your personal devices, which is crazy. If you think about you know, some of the other experiences you might have with in-flight Wi-Fi, it can be extremely frustrating. It can be extremely expensive. Um, it's not really what you're used to at home or at work. Um, and so we really kind of took a different um a, a different take on that with FlyFi. Um and what what we launched in December, which is you know, we're just thrilled about is you can now shop on Amazon in the air and on the ground and earn three three true blue points for every dollar that you spend. Um, that's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> we're really excited about it. Um because, you know, it gets you closer to that next free flight with your true blue points. Yeah. And it integrates the Amazon partnership really deeply for our customers um, and kind of brings the experience that I was talking about of, you know, the in-flight experience comes down to the ground in your everyday when you're shopping on Amazon um, and you're getting closer to your next JetBlue vacation. Is there any thoughts about integrating the programming as partnership also? Like if you watch certain programming and you uh, act on messages that are in the advertisements that you can get true blue points? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really interesting idea. Um, it's something, our technology is not there yet, um, but I think it's something we definitely look into um, and something, you know, Amazon is such an incredible partner for us. So we're always thinking of what could be next. Um, and they, they, you know, touch so many different spaces. So we're always looking at new ways to integrate them and help enhance the um, customer experience through that partnership. Would you consider integrating Alexa into the experience? So I can just <laughs> nice. say, Alexa, may I have another ginger ale? Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a Pandora's box. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think it's definitely interesting, maybe in terminal. Mm. Um, but if you think of an aircraft full of people talking to Alexa <laughs> when others are trying yeah. to sleep, um, that could cause some problems. Yeah. But I think we could integrate voice just in a very thoughtful way. Yeah. <laughs> There's already examples of people um, saying like, hey, Siri, text mom I'm pregnant, like yelling that on a oh bus. Oh, my goodness. And then everybody like, <laughs> canceling really quickly. Oh, my yeah. God. That's what um, we don't want. So, yeah. <laughs> so that would be not great. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a startup called The Vine that does um, basically travel purchasing. So when you're flying in to a new city and let's say you forgot a swimsuit or you need a goggles or you know whatever it is that you mm -hmm. need for that experience, they'll identify the best place to go on the ground. Cool. Um, are you looking at all on I'm flying into Miami on and can Amazon deliver at my hotel before I get there. Yeah. Um, is there any way that you can do like those geographical uh, startups? Yeah. Or, sorry, geographical 
yeah, plays, I guess. Absolutely. I think, you know, when I talked earlier about personalization, destination-based is so critical. And that's what people expect these days. They want everything to be specific to who yeah. they are, where they're going, time of day, what they're yeah. doing. Um, and, How many years and are we away from Wally being true? <laughs> Not far. Um, but I think... Um, and that's why we're lucky to have Amazon as a partner is they can actually enable this. Um, so it's something that we're definitely thinking about because we just launched the points integration in December. It's something, you know, we're kind of looking at, okay, what are the next things we can do with Amazon? And they're, you know, very supportive of, of those ideas. And that's something that's definitely been tossed around. But as far as executing on it, we're, we're kind of building the points side first, because as I mentioned, it is just, it's such a rich offer. Um, and then we're, we're getting to that next phase with cool ideas like yours. <laughs> <laughs> So actually, as it relates to the point system, I know loyalty is a big thing within airlines. Yeah. In flight, um, do you guys do anything to point out um, or acknowledge the people who are a certain higher status other than them just sitting in the better seats, um, but like on their system so they get more premium content? Yeah, um, not on the IFE system. So we have our Mosaic program, which is for our most loyal customers, but um Something that we talk about is, you know, we never want one one kind of sector of customers to feel like left out. Like, okay, there are customers who are better than you who are getting things that you're not getting. That's not a great feeling. And it's it's definitely, you know, you look at, at some other airlines approaches and it's very much like putting people into different classes or letting people go into lounges that no one else can access. And that's something that we really don't do. Um, I think there definitely, there are a lot of benefits of being mosaic, like early boarding, um, or, or bypassing security, or I think you get a free drink with a credit card. Frankly, that's not totally my, um, area of expertise. Um, but as far as the IFE system, not to, to toot our own horn, but it's pretty fantastic no matter what seat you're in. All right. I think that's a perfect time for a break. And when we come back, it'll be time for personal questions in our final segment. That's right. It's off the beaten path where we'll talk about uh, personal questions about travel. Right after this at Millennial 2020 on Travel Is Your Business. We'll be right back. To explore opportunities to partner, collaborate, or just make sure we connect at these events, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. We'll see you there. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to our final segment of Travel Is Your Business. I'm location at Millennial 2020. And again, our guest is Best Chapman from JetBlue. And uh, it is time for... Oh, the beaten. Ah. That's right, off the beaten path where we ask questions a little more personal about travel. So, all right, so I am going to randomly select from my brain who goes first in what order. Passenger Julie McAllister, Julie McAllister, report to gate two. And the first question is from Julia. And the reason is, by the way, Julia said she already knew what her question was. So <laughs> I'm not putting her on the spot. Julia, go ahead. Great. So uh, when we started the podcast, you said one of your favorite things about traveling was getting lost. 
So what was one of your favorite places where you got lost and you discovered something? Yeah, I I can definitely think of that because I'm still scarred by it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was with my friend and we were hiking in Switzerland um, and we went to watch the sunset the top of this incredible mountain and then went down and then we were like, okay, it's getting pretty dark. So let's take the road down. Now the road kind of led us down the other side of the mountain. So we ended up in this town that was like so far from where we started, not where our car was, not where any public transportation was. It was freezing cold and dark. Um, And we actually had this dog that's like this crazy dog started chasing us. So as I'm telling the story, I realize how kind of crazy it is. Um, But so we were in this tiny, tiny little Swiss town and we had just started knocking on people's doors because this dog was like going crazy. And this, and we, we were trying to get back to Geneva and this, we're like, how do we get back? Where's the bus? She's like, Geneva, you're like completely on the other side. You're a 45 minute drive. Um, all of this was in French. Um, and she got, uh, she took us in our car and drove uh, in her car and drove us all the way back because there was wow. no other way. And it was dark and freezing. And luckily, my friend who I was with spoke French. Wow. Um, but, you know, definitely kind of getting lost. You have to rely a bit on the kindness of strangers and um, any language skills that you may or may not have. <laughs> but I think when you're in those kind of vulnerable situations is when you um meet people and have the interactions that make traveling so interesting. All right, very nice. Uh, all right, so randomly selecting the next question. Paging passenger Mark Rako, please meet your party at the information desk on level two. And it is me. Okay. My question is, uh, on all of the travels that you've been on, what has been the coolest thing that you have found in a hotel room, whether it's an amenity or whether it's, uh, um, you know, something that was left for you or uh, a view or what, what surprised you the most when you, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Yeah, I have a, I have a pretty cool one for that. Actually. I'm glad you asked the question. I was um, staying with my sister in Thailand in this tent camp. And we got into our little like kind of tent thing and they're just butterflies all over the walls. So like um, they basically were, you know, beautiful, exotic butterflies that had been kind of pinned up. It's it's a little gruesome, but it was I'll never forget it. The second I walked into the tent and it was just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Wow. So does a tent count as a hotel room? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I, you know, these questions are are, are not confined. <laughs> they can open up all sorts of possibilities. Stand by passenger Rob Sanchez. Please report to gate 23. All right, speaking of possibilities, our final question comes from Mr. Rob. Um, so I'm always interested in where people came from, and you were talking a little bit about relying on the kindness of strangers. Um, as a kid, that happens, I think, in different ways. And yeah. so I'm wondering if you can go back to childhood, um, whether it's a car trip with the family or whether it's um, just a walk home from school, when was a moment that you as a kid remember having to rely on somebody helping you out? 
Okay, this is kind of weird, and it's about me getting lost again. So I don't know if you want to use that. But um, I grew up on a farm, so like a horse farm in the middle of rural Virginia on a dirt road. So it was kind of awesome. We pretty much just roamed free all the time. Um, And one time we lost our our dog, which was horrible because when you're in a city, you can put up posters – find find them anywhere you know um go to the local pound but when you're in a when you're on a farm and your closest neighbor is two miles away and the dog's gone it's kind of like you know we're we're stuck so we had a dog called wicket and i was with wicket and she just like ran wicket was not really like a dog that would play fetch with you or sleep in the house at night she was like pretty much a wild (laughs) a wild animal And she disappeared for like two weeks and I felt so bad because she was with me when she ran away, just like totally crazy. And I was at the grocery store outside of it and there was a woman with Wicket on a leash and I was like, mom, that's Wicket. She's like, no, it's not Wicket. Like, this is really (laughs) sad actually. Um, And it turns out it was Wicket. So, yeah. Wow. But I don't know if that was good did she, um, like, had she kept Wicket for her own or was yeah. she looking for the owner? Yeah. So she definitely, like, thought, she, she was like, oh, yeah, I found this dog on the side of the road. It, it was a stray dog. And I was like, actually, it wasn't stray. That was our dog. <laughs> and she was kind enough to give her back. Um, and we had, like, proof and everything that it was our dog. And she obviously, Wicket, like, saw me and knew I was her owner. But, um, yeah, that was definitely a moment where it's like the country rules of when you see a dog wandering, it actually can have an owner. It just we let them wander yeah. <laughs> as they wish. <laughs> All right, very good, thank you. And uh, why don't we uh, in, uh, invite you to share a final thought? It can be a reflection on this interview or just overall in terms of the things that you do. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I really, I love my job at JetBlue so much. Obviously, I'm really passionate about the media industry, but I think what, and the aviation industry, but I think what makes it so exciting is the people that I work with. I know you guys are from a travel podcast, so you know, everyone I work with loves to travel because they work with an airline, which really makes it an interesting place to work because the kind of people who love to travel, I think, tend to be really interesting, kind of different, different people. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's my parting thought. I love it. And how can people connect with you directly uh, or reach out to the area that you work in? Yeah, if you just Google product development at JetBlue.com, um, it'll get routed to me somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. All right, well, that's it for our time with Best Chapman on Travel Is Your Business. Thank you so much for joining Thank us you. here at Millennial 2020. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Cool. Thanks for having me. All right, that's it for this episode of Travel Is Your Business. And uh, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time for Julia McAllister. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. I'm Mark Rako, and we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B I Z Show. 
Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.